0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Anything Goes. I'm your host, Joseph Guzman, and to those of you new, welcome to the show, welcome to the Anything Goes family. Let's jump into today's episode, shall we? Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Anything Goes. Friends, I'm very excited to tell you that today we've got an interview with uh, a friend of mine, very talented woman, uh, a world traveler, you could say. Uh, friends, I would like to introduce you to my friend Ana. Is it Xavier? Is that is that how you would say it?
1: Yes, let's let's go with that. Let's go with that.
0: Okay. All <laughs> so right. The
1: Portuguese version sounds Xavier is uh, Xavier.
0: Xavier, ooh, fancy. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well. How have you been? How have things been going for you?
1: I'm good, I'm good, I'm excited. Um, We have a lot of exciting stuff happening in my business and also like personally, there's a lot of stuff kind of planned ahead, so I'm excited, which I'm sure we will talk about that in a minute.
0: (laughs) Oh man, well, I know it's been a long-anticipated trying to get together. We've been working on trying to make this happen for, what, a couple of months or so?
1: <laughs> oh, my God, yes, probably. Like, but, I'd think know, even more.
0: <laughs> this has been the nature of, I guess, I don't know if I can even say post-COVID, but coming out of the craziness of COVID lockdown this past year and just everyone's trying to get back to normal. I mean, I know we... As you know, we just got back from finally being able to take a vacation, my wife and I, after a few years. And then you got to go over to Portugal, right?
1: Indeed, yes. I went back to Portugal, where I'm from. So I got to see family, and um, just just very grateful that through you know being able to be vaccinated and all of that, now we can kind of go back to what normal kind of looked like. So very excited to to just like be able to see everyone and just like travel, which I missed a lot.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's kind of one of those things I've always enjoyed. When I was in the military, um, you know, up until then, I really never traveled much other than when I was a kid. My grandparents would take me in the summers, and we'd go down to our family home in Mexico, and so I'd spend summers down in Mexico, and that was, you know, it was a nice experience because, you know, I grew up you know, here in in the American culture and then spending summers in a completely different culture, in a completely different economy, you know, it was a real, uh, it was kind of a real interesting eye-opener. Plus, I think if there's one of the things that I really loved about being there that you don't necessarily see as much uh, here is, I don't know if it's just um, a Latin culture thing, but when I was down there, neighbors were I mean, you just, you'd go out in the evening, you just walk around the neighborhood and talk to neighbors and share food and laugh and talk. And it seems like here, we don't, we don't get that quite as much. People will seem to be a little more reserved. And, and I know Americans tend to have probably one of the biggest personal bubbles.
1: <laughs> Indeed. But,
0: but yeah, like traveling has just been one of those things that I really got into after I got into the military, because I got to go and see, you know, more of the country. I got to go see more of the world. And it was, I don't know, it was just real eye-opening, you know to to see all these cultures, to try all kinds of food i love love trying all kinds of fun foods and stuff. Um,
1: Did you feel that you were kind of more appreciative or each of each side when you were gone?
0: Uh, i th- I think I, yeah I think if I'm understanding what you're meaning by that, um, yeah I don't I, I know when I came or when I was over in Europe um, there were certain things that I realized that i took for granted in the American culture that I was like, oh, man, we don't have that here. One of those AC. Was, well, yes, air conditioning, ice cubes, um, and internet. Because people, most of the time, people think of internet as just this unlimited thing. But it was not that way. When I was over there, it, it was metered. You have so much, and then you have to pay if you're going over that. And so here, it's just kind of been the given that if you have internet, it's just always there. Uh, So things like that were things I definitely recognized. But I will say, being in Europe, one of the things I did enjoy a lot was the news. I felt like a lot of times I got much more of a wide view on the news than here. Sometimes it seems rather narrow, even within the different, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, political spheres of internet, right? Or not internet, um, uh, news. Uh, I liked, I I would watch a lot of times, uh, I think it was Euronews, Euronews. Uh, and then there was uh, I can't remember, there was a few others that I watched, BBC. Um, and I I really appreciated Al Jazeera was another one. I know during, you know, post-9-11 people were all freaked out about all that. Oh, it's terrorist stuff. I'm like, no, it's a news, it's a news agency. <laughs> but it was interesting because it gave me some appreciation coming back to the US, hearing this kind of approach and seeing a much more. I'm sure it isn't, I'm sure it's got its problems, but from my American perspective of it, what seemed like a much more honest viewing and opinion of what was going on from different perspectives, different cultural perspectives, even. So I think those were things that I really, I I enjoyed that I felt like when I came back here, I was like, man, what happened, especially these days? Oh man, it seems a lot of times the news seems rather, I don't know if you've ever done this, but like Sometimes I'll just flip through news channels to hear the headlines and hear so many times the exact same phrasing from one news channel to the next about the same article or not article, but, you know, subject they're talking about so yeah there's things I've seen both ways
1: (laughs) actually uh, I can comment on the news because I have my degrees actually in communication and journalism so I can actually comment on that (laughs) Um, so you are not wrong Uh, that's something that I actually studied when I was back in college Um, so they do teach you how American culture is like for instance the media but also cinema and how the US this is back in 2008 by the way so obviously Mm -hmm. with the advent of like the internet news and all of that like it has changed a little bit and uh, globalization particularly but um Mm -hmm. they did teach us that um european uh news coverage and american news coverage was very different so in america everything is more tailored to internal um narratives and making the u.s uh this was actually something this is not me saying this was what what we studied that they say that it was catering to the american dream And seeing it from the outside is like, oh, like, is that the American dream so there was like this facade that even news and like cinema and media in general created about the American dream they were very protective about that ideal so that is a fascinating thing to to watch and I'm glad you got to experience that because it really helps uh with perspective I feel like so when you're you're not wrong so sometimes you flicker through and it's sometimes the PR spin is really strong and and use and use uh you know crews are like we have to put this out there right now and there's not enough time to actually look into um the what I would say the angle and be like are we being fed something that has been a PR like kind of like has a PR spin on it or is this the truth and we need to dig deeper so that's why sometimes you will see like the same headline because uh you know journalists are like ah get it out right now um so that's that's my two cents
0: (laughs) well I would say it's more than two cents because I think you know, some random dude like me that's not in, not ha- hasn't been in the industry. Because I mean, from what I've seen, you've been in this for, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, for about thirteen years. So you've got some time in this. Well, I mean, looking back to when you started all of this in what was it, 08, with your studies, and then you've continued in, in journalism and radio production and podcasting and all this stuff. Uh, so. Like for someone who's been in that in that kind of way versus someone like me, it's interesting to see that, uh, especially given kind of what we saw with some of the craziness that went on with the QAnon stuff and how people were just kind of falling for all of this that it's interesting to see someone going, no, no, you're right, that is exactly what we're seeing here. And someone who has that expertise. So I think, no, it's it's more than two cents in my opinion, but who the heck am I?
1: <laughs> because I'm just like trying to be humble here, like, yes, you're correct, it's just like what I think. Um, no, that's right. I mean, um, I am definitely one of the generation of you study something and then you have all of these jobs who that you know may not be exactly what you studied for, um but somewhere down the line you're like well you know jobs in my industry are all taken so I must be kind of like flexible enough um so yeah I I did my first podcast in 2008 when I was back in college and when podcasting was like the thing where it was super obscure um I don't know if the audience knows knows what the RSS feed is but that it's like kind of like Now podcasting is very democratized. Back then you needed to upload these files into the server and then you would get like an RSS code and then you have to go to a website. So not really like open an app, search for the podcast, it's there. Um, So for sure um, there was a lot of different technology back then. But I feel like Pretty much like anyone who experienced, you know, the two financial crises, um, which I guess like the last year, I can, I can, I guess I can call it that. Um, but, you know, it just feels like we're all having all of these roles and looking back at your parents, you're like, oh yeah, they had a, like a job for life and my God, I if I try to recall every job I had, um, also I change countries. So when you, when you move to a new country, you have to also like take a lot of different jobs while you're still adapting, unless you have like a job given already. Um, so yeah, yeah. That's, that's one of the things that I appreciate about traveling is that you never know what's gonna happen. And it's, I mean, it depends, it can be good, it could be bad, but if you have the right mindset, it can be fun. Like I personally had a blast moving from country to country, so.
0: Yeah, well, and I, I think, I mean, granted, I haven't, well, no, I shouldn't say that. I have seen some of the world. Um, sometimes I discount the travel I did while in the military, but yeah, I mean, I would say I maybe it's different coming from Europe to the U.S. Maybe it's not, but I know going from the U.S. to other parts of the world, I know it really opened my eyes on how I perceived the world as a whole and how we fit into it, because you know, I think a lot of the kind of uh, the what's the, the colloquial term they do here, right? The whole idea of Merca, right? This very, you know, Southern Merca kind of thing. I don't know how you define <laughs> that, right? But <laughs> this whole idea, right? I kind of uh, that's how I grew up. I understood that to be the case. I mean, I was in Texas. It's like the buckle of the Bible belt.
1: I think um, the, the one sentence that comp- comp- comprises that whole thought process is: Merca is the best country in the world.
0: Right? Well, and I th- if you ever saw um, Trey Parker, uh, they were the guys that did South Park. They did this movie called, uh, what was it, Team America or something like that. It was like these little puppets and stuff. But they had this thing where it was like their little phrase and it was America, F yeah, right? And so <laughs> it was this idea of like America's always at the top and we're always superior and all of that. So I, I kind of think of that idea, right? I grew up understanding it that way because you know, it's Texas, but after I got out into the world and I got to see other cultures and I, and I got to, you know, have conversation with people, oftentimes some of the best conversations I had with other Europeans was while they were drinking, (laughs) you know, at a, at a cafe or at a pub or something, and they've been having a few drinks and then they just, they're loosened up and they'll talk. And one thing I would say that I, I really appreciated is, um, my experience was that a lot of Europeans were more open to talking about those subjects that maybe here we might, we might avoid, but they'll just talk about it. And it's not, it's not a taboo thing. It's not a, I don't care if you agree kind of thing or not. There's no fight. It's just, you know, we're going to debate this. When I was in Israel, I definitely saw that. Everyone loved to talk about the issues. And you, if you didn't understand, you would think, oh, maybe they're, they're arguing with you. No, they just, that's just what they do. They, they debate things, but it's about trying to come to some understanding. And I think in a lot of that stuff, I, I really grew to appreciate um, really having this perspective now, coming back to the US and being here after military and looking at things and going, yeah, it's funny, I used to see it this way, but now, no, it, it no, we're not, you know some shining beacon i'm not saying america doesn't have its things right but
1: america is great there's a reason why everyone comes here but it's just yeah. like any other country it's not perfect
0: no no they they have their things but i do appreciate having seen it now for you coming from europe to the us do you feel like it was that kind of thing for you
1: i think that it definitely uh, I mean, I moved from Portugal, where I'm originally from, to London in the UK, and then from the UK to, to Dallas. So by that point, I felt like there was a lot that, you know, I took for granted in Portugal in the UK. And, you know, and, and then moving here, I'm like, yes, this is so incredible. And um, I am an extrovert by nature. So I do uh, love how outgoing Americans are. Um, but surely there's that cultural effect where things that I would say, particularly Latin people who are just like in your face, they say, whatever they want is ridiculous. And then they don't sometimes measure. Um, and then you come to America and everything, or a lot of people are PC, not just at work, you know, they're just trying to be nice, which is lovely. But as a Latin person, who's just like, you just like blob or whatever comes to your mind and you're like completely, you know, <laughs> Uh, not aware of what you're saying sometimes. Um, it is a learning curve, I'll say that. Um, but I appreciate how Americans are so friendly. Like that's one of the things that like nothing encapsulates my experience in Dallas or Texas in general than than this this story. So I came back from London, and London is pretty much you know like New York, bus- big city. People are busy. Um, life you know happens fast and whatnot. People don't think they just like zombie mode. Go go go. Um, and then I moved to Dallas to a very uh, walkable part of town, which is Oakland. And then I was like walking on the street. And then there's this lady that like passes by by car. And she's just like, she's like, biggest personality you can imagine. She just like, gets her hair uh, out of her car. And she goes, Hey, honey, you look gorgeous. I love your dress. And then she's just like, goes and leaves. And I'm like, I'm just like, what just happened i'm like thank you but i had no reaction or people saying good morning to you on the street i'm like like two minutes later oh wait there was no one else on the street that was to me that's so nice (laughs) so it got it took me a little while to get used to it and americans just always get out of their way to um you know help you so i think that that like culturally it's super interesting how people may be a bit more conservative conservative in a way that they talk about specific subjects, but in other stuff, they're just like so friendly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and by the and way, that's interesting.
1: I have to, to fact check you. So um, my Ooh. former role was uh, I was a, a live stream producer, so I would like live check things live on air while we were yeah, yeah. doing So yes, it's Team America World Police. That was the movie you were talking about. That's from what Trey it was. Parker. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it, like automatically like Google while you were talking. Hey, so I was like, not a yes! problem. <laughs>
0: Uh, Well, friends, we are coming up on a break, so we will be right back in just a few moments. Hey, friends, just a quick moment to let you know, this show very much could use your support. So if you would like this show and you enjoy listening in, then please consider going to Anchor .fm forward Joseph Guzman MA. There, you can click on the support button and that will let you become a monthly supporter to the podcast, ranging from anywhere to 99 cents a month, or $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. Obviously, if you would like to become a larger monthly supporter, or if you'd like to do a one-time gift to the show. You can click that other button that says message and let me know. And as always, friends, I love hearing your hellos, so please continue to send those as well. Thank you for all of you that have supported us so far and that continue to support us now. Let's get back to the show. Alrighty friends, we are back with Ana. How did you say it again? Because I really want to get this right.
1: It's it's the sh sound.
0: Xavier. Xavier. I love that. It's so fun sounding. It sounds so fancy and regal.
1: <laughs> but like that's the thing. If you go to like the Spanish language, is you would say Javier, right? Like it's just yeah. it's just phonetically weird you're like does that sound again like that and the portuguese from portugal will sound incredibly similar to russian phonetically um more than spanish um so that's kind of more similar to cyrillic i guess at least phonetically because it's it is like that in romanian i had a, a romanian friend and sometimes we were working together and i was like i don't i just say this word in English. And she was like, "Oh, will just say it in Portuguese. And she was like, Oh yeah, I got it. Totally got it. And, and then like, she would say it in Romanian and I'm like, phonetically, they were so similar. And I was like, yes, that's the word. And then eventually we would be like, okay, Google, tell us what the word is. But that's the fun thing about working with multicultural people. You're like ridiculous all the time. You're like, I don't know what that word means.
0: <laughs> I can relate to that. I worked, uh, it's been a few years back, but I, uh, when I was living, uh, well, I guess that was kind of north of Dallas area there. Uh, I was working for, when I was in junior college, I was working for one of those, uh, I think it was a Schlotsky's, one of those sandwich places. And I was, you know, sandwich maker guy, right? So I'm just there on the line making sandwiches. Well, on the other side of the oven, because we had, you know, people that would prep before the oven, run it through, and then the other end. And I was on the other end after it came through. The guy that I worked with on the other side of the oven, um, his name was... Um, Mahmoud, he was uh, from India, but he was he was Muslim. And I remember uh, one of the popular sandwiches people would get was the uh, turkey bacon guacamole sandwich. Well, for short, we often would say turkey bacon guac. Common thing we would say. I remember yelling that across to Mahmoud once, and I said, uh, he he said, or I said, hey, what's this sandwich? Or, or what goes on the sandwich? And he says this and this. And he said, what sandwich is it? And so I said, oh, it's the, it's the turkey bacon guac. And he looked at me, he said, the turkey what? He said, the turkey baking guac, guacamole? Oh, and I was so confused because I was like, why, what? Well, later on, he pulled me aside and he said, uh, in my in my language, guac is this. And he pointed to his behind.
1: Oh, <laughs> and I was no like, way.
0: oh no, no, that's not the sandwich we wanted.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. That so is hilarious. yeah, you just,
0: you never know because, you know, there's there's just, how would I have known that? I don't speak his language. And so no, I'm just innocently going, no, a turkey baking guacamole. And he's like, a turkey baking what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is that is uh, like but, such yeah. a like a cultural gem. Like it's it's so funny. Like these moments, you just they're ridiculous and you share them
0: forever. Well, that and I mean also just the they were an interesting He, he and his wife were a very interesting couple, anyways. They were I loved encountering them because, um, you know, especially early post 9-11, uh, people were definitely um, in a general sense, a little more concerned about anyone Muslim, right? Not that I'm saying it was justified, but that was the reaction. And so it was really nice to be able to interact with, uh, with him and his wife and couples like that because they completely broke that. You know, they were some of the nicest people I knew. Uh, they invited my wife and I to come have dinner at their place. And my wife had never really, my talking about my previous wife, um, she had never really encountered much of any other cultural stuff like that. So, you know, they invited us over. And so I was kind of telling her a little bit ahead of time, hey, you know, you know make sure that you say, you know, hi and, and keep eye contact. Don't use your left hand for anything. You know, shake with your right oh, hand. And if the, you know talk to the talk to the wife if he addresses you then do that you know because there was a lot of things i understood about the way it was that i was like just you know it's a respect thing um and i also told her i was like i don't know how it is some cultures are like if you say hey i like this in your house they kind of feel obliged to give it to you i don't know if this is one of those cultures so don't say that (laughs) oh um that's
1: a good that's a good thing to keep in mind actually
0: Well, and it's just, it's stuff you learn because you went outside of your country and experienced more of the world. But it was, it was an interesting experience because, um, I mean, they, the, the food was almost never ending, uh, because, you know, they, (laughs) the husband, instead of sitting like we do in, in America, right. We'll sit across from one another. That's not what they did. They invited us into their home. The husband sits, scoots his chair over next to me. The wife scoots her chair over next to my uh, my wife. And we're all just there talking to each other all close and, and cuddly, you know. And they just keep bringing platter after platter after platter of all these different foods. And, you know, it, you had to learn how to be able to navigate that because, you know, she was, my my wife at the time was nervous that, you know, well, I don't want to offend them. I can't eat all of this. And I was like, you don't, you don't have to eat it all <laughs> they just they're are it's it's the we have this thing we talk about here right this idea of southern hospitality but that level of hospitality is a whole other level I don't know that I've known a lot of people that do that kind of southern hospitality right you'll get that every once in a while but right. I've that was something amazing to me same thing with my friends that were from Spain when they would do like big paella things and stuff oh my gosh they made food for like 500 people and everyone just come over. I don't care if you're a neighbor, just come on over and have some. <laughs>
1: yep, yeah, that's the, the Lake Southern European style for sure.
0: It, it, and it's just, it's wonderful. I, I love that kind of stuff. So I think it's, it's really nice to be able to have those kinds of experiences. It's, it's great for that. And I think uh, it's one of the things I've always talked about with my wife that I was like, you know, I don't know if I'll ever get to a point where I've got millions of dollars to work with here. But if I ever did, One of the thoughts I've always thought would be interesting to do for the US is, you know, after having been an educator for several years and and a lot of that, what I realized is I was like, you know, uh, there is a need for not just quality education, but for lack of a better way to put it, a more worldly education. It sounds weird to say it that way, but like to get more exposure to other cultures in the world. And so the idea I had is I was like, man, if I could find a way to either purchase and charter them some yachts or something, big ones that I could put students on and give them the opportunity have master teachers on board, security, chefs, all that stuff you need. And for a year at a time, they travel the world. And while they're learning about, you know, they're learning their education, their history and all that, they go to some of these places and see it and experience the culture
1: so instead of, instead of reading those in history books, you go and see yeah. the pieces. That's a yeah. great idea.
0: I mean, it's, it's money. I certainly don't have to make that happen. But if I ever could, that would be something I would love to do. Because, you know, I know that people of affluence can afford to do that for some of their kids, right? But what I'm thinking of is, you know, it's, it's another level. Because I want those, those families of affluence to be on, the, on there, And I want those students who otherwise could never do it, right? Who just would never get that chance to be on there. And part of that is also about that economic encounter, right? Students interacting with students who come from different backgrounds, different financial backgrounds, all of that, right? To realize we're all still human. And, you know, we all still have certain things that we engage with. And to all get that same world experience. My hope being is that... Uh, we develop students who are much more open in the way they consider their perspectives and students who don't continue to view this elitist kind of view towards each other, right? That, oh, I'm better than you because I got more money or whatever, that kind of stuff. That would be the hope. Now, I know it's pie in the sky, right? It's very idealistic. But hey, if you don't, uh, as I was always told, right, if you don't shoot for the stars, you you won't ever leave the earth. So you got to aim high. But that's one of those things I've always loved because I like the idea of that. After having seen some of the world myself, I see the value and I think it would be awesome to see others do that. But anyways, I digress.
1: <laughs> I like that. And, and you know what? Like it also fosters a level of um, empathy with people that in no other way you can do. Right. Also it humbles you. Um, I feel like a lot of, and, and I live with uh, a, a British couple and he had these saying, um, they they didn't know any other language she 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 could speak a little bit of spanish but very little and so he was like well what's the point of me learning any other languages if everywhere i go everyone speaks english to me and i can understand that to a level right like tricking the brain to think this is important try to remember this is hard when you know you think well you know this doesn't this doesn't matter I can go like in the easy way, uh, easy route out. So um, I do understand that, but at the same time, putting yourself in a situation where you don't understand what's happening around you and you have to get the visual cues and the social cues and all of that is so humbling. Try to go to a country and learn how just to get a job, um, you know, file just like getting into a country and try to get like what would be like a social security number It is humbling because you're like there and you're thinking, man, I take everything back home for granted, like all the processes, everything. I just think everything is easy, right? So when you go abroad and you're in this situation where, oh, I don't fully understand what's happening around me. Let me, you know, like kind of take it in and, and, and just learn as I go. It just makes you more appreciative of everyone else who is who may be struggling around you or just someone who is, you know, a different... Stage of life, you're you're just in this environment where you just like nothing is familiar and everything you take for granted is gone. So I think that's like such an important uh, way of learning because you learn it fast because you have to.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I had to do that when I was in Germany. When I was stationed in Germany, I tried doing a little bit of prep, learning a little bit of the language, but I think where I learned most was just because I was surrounded by the culture. I had to. You know, I could have stayed on base, but gosh, that would have been boring. Uh, So when I had the chances, I would go off base. And, you know, there were people who would want to practice their English. Usually they were younger and they're like, "Ooh, I can practice my English. Right. Meanwhile, I understand that point is it's like, well, I was trying to practice my German, but hey, I understand. Uh, But what I learned in that was, you know, usually what I could do is do a little give and take. Be like, oh, okay, yeah, it's this. And I'd say, well, how do you say this in German? Because then I can just make sure I'm getting it right.
1: Uh, But yeah, it was,
0: it was a fun thing. I liked being able to do that. And I definitely feel like I learned more German being in the culture than I ever did trying to prep before I ever got to Germany.
1: Also, like there's a a different level. Like, so I speak French, but I normally say that I speak French like a five-year-old because, you know, (laughs) like I can pick up words from Portuguese and turn them into french them. and. Um, But if you're not surrounding yourself in the environments that foster those words coming naturally and that learning coming naturally, you'll never get there. Because also if you're speaking with other American people, for instance, learning German, everyone is at the same level. So you're not being exposed to words that nobody else knows because everyone else is in a way in the same level. So when you're there, it's like, full throttle, like completely like turbo mode on. And it's just like fascinating because little things, your brain just like takes them in easier because they're like, oh, bread. Like, oh, there's a new bread. And you're excited because you're like in the moment learning it instead of like looking at a textbook, you're like bread and how do you, whatever, how, do you remember how you say bread in, in German?
0: Uh,
1: Putting you on the spot here.
0: Let's see. Not specifically bread, but I remember buttercase, and I remember, um, which was a type of cheese. I remember, uh, oh, come on. There was a type of bread we would eat all the time. I can see it. Oh, it's a little. I wish
1: people could see you right now. It's so fascinating. (laughs) You were just trying to reach there so hard. You were like, oh was it um but yes um yeah so any any little words that you know it's not interesting at all it's just just like look at a book and like okay bread me you eat blah blah and where you're there everything is just exciting i mean unless you're like stressed and you're like oh my god i'm i'm nervous that i can't communicate um but other than that it's just like you know it's just everything is better in like the flesh i would say
0: yeah i think um if there was a place I'd like to revisit, it would be going back to France um, because I don't know if it was just because of the timing. Because when I was in, in uh, when I was in Europe, I was there around nine eleven before and after, um, and so I remember going before nine eleven uh, over into France. And I don't know if it's just because I had the high and tight haircut and stuff. I was, I tried to be as respectful <laughs> as I could. I tried to speak the language because I was told at least try to speak French and yeah. then they'll correct you, but they would prefer you do that than just assume they're going to speak English to you. Uh, and so I would try to do that. I would try to do those things, but every time. And for those of you in the audience that speak French, forgive the language, but this is what I would hear. <laughs> and so I heard that so many times and I'm like, I'm trying to be nice. So maybe it's just because I look too military and they didn't like it. So I was like, maybe when I go back as a civilian, I'll I'll get a different reaction.
1: <laughs> well, it depends. Anywhere you go in Paris, they're going to be rude anyway. So like, that's a given. Was it Paris you were in or yes. was it just yeah.
0: like- Good like, analysis. I didn't even say Paris.
1: <laughs> well, it's, I, I had a similar experience. I was ordering. I was with a, a group of English speakers. Everyone um, was, you know, nobody spoke French. And so we were ordering breakfast. And I was trying so hard to pronounce things. I mean, I don't have a bad pronunciation. But like when you're like in the moment and trying to help. And you're like pronouncing things like, okay, what do you want? <laughs> and like trying to help everybody. And then I said, I think I said almond croissant so uh, almond croissant uh-huh. and, and the lady looks at me after like me making all this effort and trying to be super helpful she looks at me with a French attitude and she t- <laughs> says uh, it's amon croissant it, no sorry it's croissant amon so I, I have the the words mixed up in yeah. the order and I was just I felt so sad and my ego was crushed and I was like okay you know what like clearly you speak English I'm gonna oh, just yeah. resort to my <laughs> significance um so you know but anyone else in France is lovely so I feel like it's like something probably just big CDs. but I love it that you're like trying so hard and people like oh well um that's that's funny but yeah it's yeah.
0: It It, it happens
1: you go to, though, like some, I'm sure like maybe a few stores down, like you'd find the nicest person ever.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure that's the case. I mean, it's, it's an interesting world being an American and then going to Europe for a lot of reasons. You know, some of that, I remember one of the things that was most eye opening to me is when I first got to Germany, uh, I was waiting at a rest stop. The guy that I was with, uh, was using the restroom. And this little like Volkswagen kind of station wagon hatchback thing pulls up in front of us and parks at the curb. And so I'm sitting there and, you know, I'm a, I'm a people watcher. I like to just watch how people interact and what they're doing. And sometimes for me, it's just kind of fun to, you know, as I've talked about, right. I've got training in nonverbal communications. And so watching the body language and trying to decipher, what are they talking about? What's going on here? And so, you know, I would just sit there and kind of people watch. And I remember uh, this young lady gets out of the car And she goes to the back and opens the hatchback. And so I'm like, oh, you know, grabbing stuff or something and proceeds to change her clothes right in front of me. And I'm like, "Uh, I didn't know what to do. Because I'm like, do I, I guess, do I look to the right? Where do I don't know what to do? And she saw me and she just kind of waved and smiled and kept changing. (laughs) I was like, I am not in Kansas anymore.
1: (laughs) Right, like nudity and how the body is perceived in public spaces is completely different. I'm sure that was a lesson for you, like body language means a lot of different things in some places. Oh, yeah. Um. So that that must be fascinating. Learning. It was an
0: interesting experience for that regard, because I mean, that was the first thing. And then I would go, uh, the base I was stationed in, there was a town nearby and my friend and I, we would rollerblade into town all the time. And oh, so cool. we rollerblade. Yeah. It was good exercise. It was a good way for us to kind of chit chat. And, you know, we're military, we're young. Why not? Um, And so we had the fancy ones, you know, the rollerblades where you get in there and then you can pop the wheels off and attach them somewhere else. And then their shoes. And so you could walk around. But yeah, we would walk around town and um, I remember seeing, it was a, a China store where you could buy like, you know, coffee saucers and you know, all that kind of stuff. And their advertisement on the window I kid you not, it was a black and white picture of a woman's breast and a saucer with a cup next to it. The in- implications there are interesting, but I thought, yes, we are not in America anymore.
1: <laughs> wow, wow.
0: Yeah, it's such it a, if you think about the visual, you're like, what am I supposed to take from this?
1: <laughs> My God, yes, that's, that's definitely like a culture shock right there, it's like slap in the face, you're you're not in America. Yeah,
0: stuff like that happened to me regularly in Germany. Um, I I didn't understand. I remember driving around uh, with friends because I was able to get my license to drive around. I had you had to take tests so you could drive, you know, European areas, and I was the one that had it, so I was able to do that. And so we would drive around, and I noticed every once in a while I would see. In certain areas, I would see these little red neon signs. It was either like a heart or like a diamond. A lot of times it was a heart or something. And I saw those and I was like, well, what does this mean? I keep seeing them here and there. And so I remember being at a at a pub with friends and I, I was talking, a lot of times the younger German generation would talk to you a lot more. Um, the older ones were a little more conservative and they wouldn't talk unless, like I said, they were drinking. Um, <laughs> but... They, I remember asking one. Uh, I think his name was like Tomas or something like that. Uh, you know, what does these, what do the red lights mean? And he said, "Oh, that's the." Uh, uh, and he was trying to think of the American word. You know, uh, the, the, like, uh, sex. I said, A what? Oh, those are the uh, the places for sex." is that like the red light district thing? And he was like, yes, yes, like that. And I was like, that's a real thing. Oh my gosh, I didn't know.
1: <laughs> because is... I'd always
0: heard that. And I thought, well, no, that's just something people make up. But no, there it was. And yeah, it was just encounter after encounter where I was like, this is not America. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is fascinating. Because I'm sure you were like by that point romanticizing what it was. And no, then you're like, I never... no.
0: I never got into that, but that's because I grew up in a very, like, I grew up in a Catholic family. And so, you know, uh, it was, it was much more conservative on stuff like that. Um, and so that's why for me, it was like a super culture shock. Cause I'm like, wait, what people do this? And there were like, it was a thing when, I don't know if it still is, but when I was there, they even had shows. I don't know if you ever heard of that, where they had sex shows. People could go into a place and watch people do this. And it was a thing. Yeah, And. I never went to one, but I remember learning about that stuff. And I was like, this is so insane because, you know, you think about what the typical culture is here in America and and you, you would never see that at least not in any open public circles, (laughs) but it's just so crazy to see that.
1: (laughs) Yes. That's like a very striking example of like, what is like kind of like, yeah, totally acceptable. Um, In Portugal, um, you know, Actually, I can't really say that I've seen that in Portugal, but I'm from a small town in uh, back in Portugal in the countryside, and it's super close to Spain. So it's like literally, you drive for 15 minutes and you're in the border, and there's no like quote unquote borders in Europe anymore. Is like the Schengen space, so it's kind of like you can travel freely, um, and so we would like I remember going going there as a kid and there's a section of like in between the two countries where you would have those houses those like neon sign places and what's fascinating is that you would go in and you'd be like well not going in i'm sorry you would drive by um and you'd be like huh fascinating and then just like everyone's like super chill oh yeah it's and what well, they call it it's a lady's house That's, that's the
0: term. Ah.
1: Um, and, and I remember like, just not even like questioning. So that's funny that, I mean, I, to be honest i don't remember anyone it was like an ongoing joke or like oh you're like they're they're taking young boys to be like brought up to maturity in like the ladies house um <laughs> but like i don't actually know anyone who'd be like oh yeah like just like yeah guys like we're living at whatever time because we gotta go to the ladies house so it was an ongoing joke but to a level um yeah. so yeah like that that's something that is like so fascinating within cultures that is like okay only when you're there you're like oh i get it Um, so it's it's fascinating
0: and I I would agree because I think um, when I was you know when you think about kind of the way it was right like the idea of at least this is my experience American in Europe is there's just been I I think maybe part of it is just there's been so much more history that's there and more culture more time for cultures to develop I mean we're the young kids on the block in the U.S. right (laughs) Um, and so, I think it's just that there's been so much time that people have just, yeah, okay, so what? We've talked about this for thousands of years, so what? <laughs> and meanwhile, you know, 400-year-old country is like, what? What are we doing? Granted, they had more of that Puritan start with all of that, but still, it's 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 an interesting thing. Because, yeah, there's it's one of the things that I think, at first, while it was a bit shocking, it was also kind of relieving because to be around people who didn't feel scared to talk about things and they didn't feel ashamed to talk about realities of life you know even even here uh people a lot of times are afraid to talk about things like sexuality and stuff right but i never saw that issue there and honestly even when i was a kid when i was in mexico the same thing uh there were people that were we had a we had a guy that lived in the street that was um pretty openly gay guy. And he would walk around and he would have his hair all done. And he was always just chatting with everybody. Nobody cared. But it's it's interesting because you go to other places and you're just like, I guess it's just, I don't know, there's more history, you've just gotten more used to it. And so it's it's interesting. And, and yet another reason why I think it's a value for people to see other parts of the world, because you know, you, you think this ideal here of like, oh, well, this is how it is. And it's like, no, it really isn't. <laughs> you go somewhere else and most people are like, why are you so uptight? Calm down.
1: <laughs> yeah, like something that I felt like I was, is a little, it was a little bit of a shock to me, for instance.
0: Uh, friends, uh, we're going to take another quick break. We'll be right back with Anna in just a little bit. Hold tight.